Welcome, I love the hands. Thank you so much. Uh, well, hello everyone. Good morning, buenos dias, como están? Uh, I can't hear you, but I'm assuming you're all responding in Spanish and English and Italian and all the beautiful languages. I am super pumped to be here, extremely pumped, super happy. Thank you so much, Pastor Joe, for the invitation. And thank you to all of you for your hospitality. Even though we're not meeting in person, you're still making space for me to come and join you. And I do not take that for granted. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I am, I, I'm gonna share a little bit about myself and my experience in the US so that you know where I'm coming from with today's message. I am Mexican, born and raised. I've been living in Portland for about six or seven years. I started losing track and in the United States for 10 years now. And I cannot believe that time is flying. And something that happens when you move to another country is that the, the culture of the, of the place, it kind of jumps at you because it's so different from your own. And it's so easy to see things, to notice things, how people dress, how they talk, what matters to them, what they hold valuable. And in my 10 years that I've been here, I've seen, well, a lot, but I've seen a lot of beauty. Let me just start there. I've seen a lot of beauty in people. I've seen a lot of kindness in people, a lot of compassion, a lot of generosity. I mean, the amount of people that donate to charities in the US is huge. The amount of people that uh, volunteer their time to help others in the United States is huge. The amount of ministries and organizations that exist to help the poor, the needy, the homeless is humongous. It's really, it's impressive. It's beautiful to witness as, as a foreigner. And so I've seen a lot of beauty and I've also seen a lot of hatred. I've seen a lot of hostility. I've seen a lot of violence and, and division. And something that I've noticed is that at the heart of that violence, at the heart of that hostility, is language, the, the things that we say to each other, the, the hate speech that seems to be everywhere, wherever you look, social media, real life, TV, news. And it's, it's shocking how, how loud and how violent it is. There's hostility in our words. So I've been thinking a lot about how language shapes our communities and how language shapes how we understand each other and how we understand God, because it's all part of the same mix. We cannot divide those. And so that's what I wanna to talk to you about today, about the power of language and languages in how we experience God and one another. And as we know, language is a very powerful thing. Language has the power to unite us or it has the power to divide us. It has the power to inspire us or it can bring us down, it can bring comfort to someone, or it can inflict pain. It's a very, very powerful tool. But besides being just a tool, it is also, language happens to be one of the biggest markers of identity for a person. Your language kind of locates you within a particular context, a particular group, a particular culture or ethnicity. And living in the United States, uh, in a country like this one, where there's so many different cultures coming together, uh, this can be a very difficult thing to navigate, especially if you're not part of the dominant group, wherever you find yourself. And because of that, this difference tends to be a reason why there's more, a lot of this violence, a lot of this 
hostility. And we've seen it grow. I've seen it grow a whole lot, even in the last four or five years. And so we may think that this is a, a modern thing, that is something new that we are experiencing, but it's really not. This has been part of human history for a very, very, very long time. In fact, one of the earliest accounts that we can read about a similar situation and hostility is from 700 BC. That is a long time ago. And we actually find this story in the Bible. And I'm going to just quickly recap it for you. It happens in the book of Judges, chapter 12. And there's two groups of people that are mentioned in this chapter. And it's the people of Gilead and the tribe of Ephraim. And they don't really like each other. So what this group does is that they take the, the Jordan River, which was a natural barrier, and they use that as a border. And these people don't want these people to go into their space. They don't, wanna, they don't want them to cross the border and come into their land. Does that sound familiar? And so what they did, because people at that time kind of looked similar, it wasn't as easy to know who belonged where, what these people did was to um, demand that people from this group, whenever they wanted to cross, they had to say a particular word. And the word was shibboleth. And they picked that word because people here pronounced it shibboleth, but people from this group could not pronounce it that way. They said shibboleth, it's a minor difference, but a difference. And so if someone came, they would say, oh, welcome. Could you say the word shibboleth? And the person here would say shibboleth, and that was the mark that let them know that they did not belong. And so instead of letting them in, not only did they just let them out, they would kill them. Their accent betrayed them. Now, fast forward to the New Testament. There is another story that is somewhat similar. And it's a story that most of us have heard. It happened to Peter. When Jesus was arrested and taken into Caiaphas' uh, household, Peter kind of follows from the distance. And then he finds a way to, to get to the courtyard. And he's infiltrated among the people. And then this girl comes to him. And he says, you were, with, you were with Jesus, with the Galilean. You were one of them. And Jesus says, I don't know what you're talking about. And first time, Peter denies Jesus. But then he kind of moves out to the gate. And then another girl comes up to him and says, you were one of them. You are a Galilean. And we know how people talked about Galileans back then. You know, can anything good come from Galilee? And Peter denies it again. No, I don't know what you're talking about. And he continues to move out. So he's like, I picture him being pushed out. And then eventually uh, the mob comes after him and they say to him, and this is exactly what the verse says, verse 73, surely you are one of them. Your accent betrays you. It's crazy. It's crazy. So hatred and division, it's, it's been part of, it's been part of uh, our life and our world for a very long time. Now, there is a moment in history, there is a moment in time that we can look back to and say, that's where it all started. And I am talking about Babel. Maybe you've heard the story, maybe you have not heard the story, but I'm going to quickly recap it for you. I'm gonna start setting up my screen sharing. The Bible says that at that time, the whole world had one language and one common speech. So let's just picture that. 
there is this group of people, there's only one language and they're having unity because, because of that language. And then one day the people say, let us make a name for ourselves. Let us make a name for ourselves. And what they decide to do is to build this huge tower that goes all the way to the heavens because they basically want to be like God. And God looks at this and says, oh, no, we have to do something about this. In fact, the, the word, I didn't include this verse, but the, what God says is these people are one and they have just one language. And this is just the beginning of what they will do. So God says, let us come down and confuse their language so they do not understand each other. And then God scatters them over the face of the earth. That's our story from Babel. Boom, scattered. Now there's many ways in which people have interpreted Babel. But there's one thing that's undeniably true in any interpretation, it's right there in this story. The fact that there is a shift there is a, 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 it seems like a small thing, but it's a massive thing. It's a shift from having just one language for the entire world, which brought about understanding and unity to the creation of multiple languages, which creates confusion and division, scatteredness, and eventually violence and hatred. And we continue to carry that to this day. Now, I wanna stop there and say, how are you doing? Because we just went on a whirlwind around the Bible. And I hope you've enjoyed it. Because I enjoyed it a lot putting it together. But I hope you're doing okay. Now, what I want to do now is to bring all of that context and all of that history and all of the realities. I see the thumbs up. Thank you. And all of the current realities that we've talked about. I want to bring all of that to our central passage for today. Our main scripture, which is Acts to the day of Pentecost. And I think someone's gonna put it on the chat. I'm going to read it from my Bible. There it is. This is the word of the Lord, Acts chapter two. Now, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like a violent wind blowing came from the heaven and filled the entire house where they were sitting. And tongues spreading out like a fire appeared to them and came to rest on each one of them, all of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven residing in Jerusalem. When this sound occurred, a crowd gathered and was in confusion because each one of them heard them speaking in his own language. Completely baffled, they said, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that each one of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and the province of Asia, Pergian, I don't even know how to say the rest of them, but all of them were saying, we hear them speaking in our own languages about the great deeds God has done. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? What does this mean? That is a great question. What does this mean for us today? Most of us, when we read this passage, we, in, a, in a church, we usually read it 
on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Easter. It's coming up in a few months. And, and what most of us do, and I've done this many times, is that we read the passage and we highlight the, the different languages in a way to celebrate diversity. And amen to that. We should be doing that. I think that's the first leaf. It's not just that. I think there is so much more that is happening in this passage. Because Pentecost, what it is really, is a reversal of Babel. Because in Babel, the multiplicity of languages, the difference in language is, was brought, is what brought about confusion, separation, scatteredness. The entire people of God were scattered. But in Pentecost, the multiplicity of languages, the difference in languages is what brought about unity and understanding. And that part of the end is very, very important because even though they were all speaking in different tongues, that's what it says. Every person started talking in different languages, even though that was happening. It also says that every single person there from every single country could understand it in their own language. And how that happened, I don't know, but that is crazy. So the great miracle of Pentecost is not just that people started speaking different languages. The great miracle of Pentecost is that people understood each other. Can I get an amen? I saw you, Pastor Joel, saying amen. Amen. How beautiful is that? Now, I want to go back to Babel one more time because we cannot fully understand Pentecost until we fully understand Babel. The reason that the Bible gives us why God confused their people and their language and, they, and he scattered them, they scattered them. The reason that the Bible gives us is because people wanted to make a name for themselves. They wanted to be at the very center of the world. They wanted to be the point of reference for the rest of the world. They wanted to be the ones in control, the one at the center or at the very, very top. And that seems to be what a lot of us continue to do to this day. We put ourselves at the very center. We put our language, our culture, our perspective, our theology, our point of view, our everything at the very center. And we want that to be the point of reference for the entire world. And anything that is different, Anything that doesn't kind of sound like us, anything that sounds just slightly off, we reject, we keep at a distance, we ostracize, we silence, we ignore. We don't like it. But then, but then Pentecost comes. Pentecost comes and completely destroys this idea of center. In fact, our entire experience of God gets de-centered because God no longer reveals himself through one group of people, through one culture, through one person. In one way, God says, I'm no longer going to do that. Now I'm going to reveal myself through every person and every language and every people and every nation, every single person, because I'm imparting my spirit into all of you. I'm getting goosebumps. And I, I wrote this and I'm getting goosebumps today. But that's what happens in Pentecost. Every single one of them, every single one of us gets imparted God's spirit. And one of the most beautiful pictures, one of the most beautiful moments 
in this event of Pentecost is that the people that were present, they were able to see, like literally, like with their physical eyes, they were able to see the spirit of God descending on each person, resting on each one of them. They could see it. And I think that that is the key for us. I think that that is a revelation for us today. The big thing that, that I hope we all hear, that we will, the, the day that we will achieve true unity, true integration is the day we are able to see God in the other. Amen. Whatever the other looks like, whatever the other sounds like. You know, for the longest time, the longest time, I made it a, a point to get rid of my accent. I did not grow up speaking English. I started learning it at a late, later age and I've been working really hard at it for a very long time. And one of the things that I wanted, as I mentioned, was just to sound like a native English speaker because that, that, that uh, process of learning was very painful because I would pronounce things wrong and I still do and I make up words and you get mocked and it's hard and I did not want to do that. I just wanted to belong. And so I wanted to get rid of my accent. Up until just a few years ago, really, when I was in grad school, I was already living in the States. And one of my good friends in grad school, he was in the theater program and he started telling me about this class that all the theater students take about accents. It's a class they help you learn different accents and polish them because they, they need that for their plays. If you're playing a Shakespeare play, you need to be able to speak the British accent really well. And when he told me that, my eyes got so big and I was like, a class that teaches you another accent? Yes, that is for me. And I actually went and talked to the professor. I went to him and said, can I join your class? And he was like, sure, yeah, I don't see why not. I was a student at the university. But then he asked me, but why, why do you want to join? And I remember thinking and telling them, what do you mean why? I want to get rid of this accent. And he just looked at me and he said, now, why would you want to do that? Your accent, the way you talk, the way you sound, is one of the best parts of you. It makes you who you are. And I was, when I was thinking about this story this week, I started to cry and I went up to my husband. I said, I don't know, I'm so moved thinking about this. And I realized that that was so true. I'd never heard it, but it was true. But I also realized that that is true of everyone, every single person, who they are and how they speak and how they talk and how they relate to God is the best part of them. It's who they are, it's sacred, it's holy. Whew. And this ability, this invitation to see how God uniquely reveals himself in the other, in that which is different to me, in that which I don't know, is a very loud and clear and timely invitation for all of us today. And I think we should take this invitation very seriously because it matters. And it matters greatly. It matters because some of us are slightly 
obsessed is the word that I'm going to choose with wanting to hear Christianity or God being talked about in a very specific way, in a way that sounds familiar, that sounds like us or else is not true or else it's wrong or else it's bad and we reject it. But we forget that God is continuously revealing himself through other people and through other languages. And we may not speak all those other languages. This matters because some of us only seek the wisdom of the educated, the knowledgeable, the elite, the people we respect. And we don't realize that God might be bringing his greatest revelations through the illiterate, the poor, the outcast, the people we don't like. So we may have to reconsider our paradigms of where or who God speaks through. This matters because when we go to other countries to do missions or to do the work of God, we need to pay attention to the ways God is already at work in that place through the people's language, through their culture, through their worldviews, through their traditions, through their food, through everything, instead of coming and imposing our own version of Christianity and telling them or thinking that is the only way. You see how huge this is? It's huge. It matters. The implications of this invitation of seeing God in the other are huge. And today I've spoken mostly in terms of language and, and difference of culture. But I believe that this invitation to see God outside of us, outside of what we know, outside of what is familiar, applies to everything else in our lives, everything, our entire journey with God. The situation that makes no sense. The weight that keeps extending and you just don't see the end of the tunnel. The obstacle that seems to be getting in the way of what you truly want to do. That broken relationship that you're going through. That difficult situation at work. Anything, you name it. I mean, think about your, your own relationships, your own life, whatever you are going through. I think that, that God's invitation to me and to you and to all of us is to seek him in those very places because oftentimes if not most of the time God's, God's greatest revelations are found in the most unlikely places and the most unlikely people let us close down our time we're closing down our time remembering that God's invitation is an invitation into a mystery so let us approach your journey as such. Amen. Before we move on to small groups, I'd like to ask you to do something, and I hope you're okay with that. I intentionally left this message without a title. When Pastor Joel asked me to send him a title, I said, how about no? <laughs> I don't have a title because I just... I didn't want to do that. You know, we're talking about language and language is such a powerful thing. And I just did not want to prescribe exactly what I thought you'd get out of this message because I'm sure God is speaking many, many different things. So what I want to ask you is for you to come up with the title. And it doesn't need to be polished and it doesn't need to be super fancy. Uh, in fact, don't even think about it as a title. It could be just one truth, one revelation that God gave to you during our brief time together and to write it 
in the Zoom chat. That's really the bigger ask, to write it in the Zoom chat. And as I said, don't, don't worry about how it sounds. It, it could be anything. It could be anything. Like my, I, would, I would write, God speaks a lot of languages. I don't know. Like that's, that's my revelation. And that's the, that's the title of my message. So I'm going to give you just 30 seconds. That's it. Because I don't want you to overthink it. And please try to write something in the Zoom chat because I am going to read it out loud and that is going to be our collective conclusion to this message. So you have 30 seconds. Good, I'll read all of them once, once we're done. Very cool, very cool. I'm gonna give you 10 more seconds. And after that, I will say, Stop for now, because if you keep writing, I won't be able to read it, but then you can eventually keep adding things. A few more, there's a few more coming in. Okay, I'm gonna start reading, let's see. Okay. I'm gonna start with Pastor Joel, that was before I asked for this, but I'll read what you said. God may be bringing his greatest revelations through the poor, the illiterate, the outcast. God's greatest revelations are found. Oh, he's, he's, <laughs> he's writing what I said. Cool, we're saying the same thing. Now it's you saying it. All right, let us, let us just welcome and receive this as our collective conclusion. Some truths for us today. Finding joy in decentering one's language, culture, and norms. God's revelations are centered on one people's language or perspective. Why we need the other. Look for God in the unexpected people and places. Finding God in the most unlikely places. Multiplicity brings understanding. Amen. Battle versus Pentecost. Diversity is beautiful and unique just because God created it. I agree. God is de-centered. God's everywhere. Mosaic, God in the other. Seeing God in unexpected places. Unidad vendrá cuando veamos a Dios en otros. Unity will happen when we start seeing God in others. Loving others through their given language and culture and dress and everything. And denomination, God is revealed through our understanding of each other. Babel redeemed. Seeing God in unexpected places I like. Accents are beautiful. Yes, they are. Look for God in everyone. God speaks every language. Do you understand my babble? Yeah, we tend to babble, don't we? The sound of love. I really like that one. The sound of love. God is a polyglot. I was tempted to give you a crazy title. I'll tell you what that would have been. It included the word polyglot. Be true to yourself and proud of who you are in Christ. Hey. Man, how powerful that was. I'm going to tell you what my original idea was. My first 
I was gonna give a title to this, but it because it was so complicated and I wanted it to be powerful because it was language. In fact, I talked to Tiana last week and I told her what it was gonna be. And there was a reason for that. Then I decided, no, don't do that. But I thought of calling it tongue twisters and shibboleths, the riddles of our polyglot God. Ah, so academic and off-putting. So I didn't do that, but it was cool to work on it. But anyway, we are going to close down and I want to bless you. I want to say a prayer. And this prayer is actually from a collection of prayers called Liturgies from Below. So these are my words for you. If you can close your eyes and join me and receive this blessing. May you stand and raise your head in the fullness of dignity, knowing that you are precious in God's heart. May you know courage when the road is hard, consolation in your times of grief, healing for the traumas you've suffered, strength to continue on your journey. May this community be for you a place of comfort and support where you are fed and in turn where you feed others. May the love of God go with you and accompany you as a tangible presence in your life as you bring God to all you meet. Amen.